Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to Sawbones, Marital Tour of Misguided Medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. And folks, it's finally here. It's Max Fun Drive time. I don't know if you know this, but we are part of a uh, listener-supported network called Maximum Fun. We talk about it every week. So. That, that's right. And when you are a member of our Maximum Fun family, you can directly affect how we make our shows. Yeah, you your support allows us to do this for a living. It allows us to put a lot of work into them and allows Sydney the time to research these episodes and uh, audio equipment and, and the whole the whole bit. So uh, we really uh, rely on your support. Um, it's been a weird year, we know, and some people may not be in a position to. We totally get it. But if you can, go to MaximumFun.org forward slash join and support the the work that we're doing and the other Max Fun shows are doing. It would really mean the world. Your donation uh, directly supports us. Um, and when you say, when you fill out your donation, if you've ever joined before, uh, that you list the shows that you listen to. So you are directly supporting us. And there are gifts if you are joining or upgrading, and we're going to tell you about those. Not yet. Not yet. But one I will tell you about, if you can pledge $5 a month, you get access to an absolute treasure trove of um, new new content, bonus content, BOCO in the parlance of Max Fun. Justin, what are we doing this year for oh our bonus gosh. content? Well, we already did one bonus episode that has been there for existing members. I forget what that bonus episode is because we recorded it in March. <laughs> is so, that right? Yeah. But the more exciting thing for for us is, and this is we're we're exclusively uh -huh. revealing this information. Um, Sydney and I are launching a secret Max Fund donor only podcast, uh, wherein. Sydney and I watch and simultaneously review all of the Fast and Furious movies. It's called Justin and Sydney. No, Fast and Furious and Justin and Sydney. Yes. Um, and Justin's we, favorite part is the name of the, the podcast. The name is very good, if I do say so myself. It's not a. It's not like um, a track. It's not a listen no. along track. No, it's not a commentary track. Thank it's you. Very, I couldn't. <laughs> it's very stream of consciousness. Uh, and that consciousness is diluted by alcohol. There is uh, just a warning, a little bit of swearing, because the films have swearing, so we figured that was fair. Light swearing. We And uh, we tried to limit it to just the best bits, um, but I would suggest you see the movies, or else they're going to seem very wild. Very wild. Or don't see the movies. It's up to you. Well, that's true. I guess, um, you know, whatever, you're, whatever kind of experience you're looking for. We're going to get, be getting that link up in the next 
few days in the Max Fund donor bonus page. So check that out. Uh, but Sydney, this actually this this uh, new series led you to this week's topic. That's right. Uh, we were watching the Fast and Furious movies, and I I don't want to spoil anything in case you Impossible, haven't seen them yet. <laughs> um, the only way you could spoil them is if you took all, out all the car stunts. That was if you took them. out all the car stunts, the movies would be three minutes long each. Yeah. Uh, there is a there is an amnesia plot line in one of the films. We'll just say that. Yes. Uh, and I personally, I never really like amnesia plot lines in movies and TV, uh, in part because, and we'll talk about this, there's some fairly common, like, unrealistic kind of myths that are reinforced usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, I just, I find that they're a way of saying, like, we don't really know how to deal with complicated emotions for this character because of these situations that they might feel different ways about things. So we're just going to make them forget everything in the past so they can be somebody else now. Yeah. So that we can use them in a different way. And I, that always frustrates me. Yeah. But so today we're going to be talking about the reality of amnesia versus the the Hollywood <laughs> illusions. Um, in In movies, amnesia tends to be triggered like at a convenient moment mm-hmm. uh, and th- it is very selective as to what the character can and can't remember. Right. Right. Um, like for instance, just a random example off the top of my head, maybe the character can remember all of their like fast stunt driving car skills, mm-hmm. but has absolutely no memory of where they're from or another human that's known them literally their entire life. Or their extended family. Yes. Because this series is about family. Fast and Furious <laughs> franchise is about family. Fast and Furious and family. And Justin and Sydney. Uh, and then the way it resolves is always... You always get bunked in the head again. Right. Almost okay. always. And we're going to get into that. You either you either get bunked in the head again or someone loves you so deeply <laughs> that, that you remember. You remember. Yeah. That all of a sudden you, you're looking at them and... I will be fascinated to hear how many times that has happened. (laughs) Uh, So the term amnesia traces back to the Greek for forgetfulness or oblivion. There's a river of oblivion Mm. in Greek mythology. Um, It's called called 2020. Amnesty, intentional overlooking. This is all the word amnesia Mm. comes from all these things. Uh, In the ancient writings from like Galen and Hippocrates, when we talk about amnesia, it's usually uh, in the context of another disease. So it's not like amnesia as a disease in and of itself. They're really talking about memory loss associated with something that happened. This person has this condition and one feature of it is that they've lost some memory. But they're not usually talking about like just amnesia as a distinct entity. Somebody came in and forgot who they were. Mm -hmm. So they'll talk about the stroke or the illness or whatever, and that's it. Uh, It really wasn't until the 18th century where you get amnesia as its own thing to start to be like investigated and broken down and classified as to why it might happen and that kind of thing with uh, a physician and botanist uh, from uh, the 18th century named Boissat de Sauvage, who his main interest was like taxonomy almost mm-hmm. or nosology. So he wanted to like classify diseases. Okay. He wrote a big book like breaking down. He was a botanist too, breaking down diseases the same way we kind of break down plants, right? 
Uh, Kingdom it, phylum, like this genus species. He, he wanted to like take diseases and create those same kind of trees out of them. For plants. Like we do with plants. You know, it's weird. I feel like you have a lot more multidisciplinary people in this in these time periods. When we mm-hmm. only knew a little bit about stuff, it seemed like it was easy to learn all of the little bit about a lot of different things. Yes. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I feel like on a slight, uh, slight diversion, especially for physicians, there was this period of time where they were so closely tied to the natural world and then to the humanities and and to like all the different kind of academic disciplines that you were expected to pursue, that it was a good time. I mean, even though we didn't know anything, <laughs> it's a good time for physicians. And then as it got more uh, its own science, like it's distinct science that you had to pursue without while ignoring everything else. It's been, in my personal opinion, it's not been as great for medicine. Yeah. We need to get back to that so broader those, view. Yeah, oh, yeah. A wide a wide lens because we know more now also though yeah like we we could do so much more than they could do then which is just i don't know here's some amnesia maybe bleed them that's all we got so he broke it down into into like why does the amnesia happen and he had all these different reasons um one could be venereal amnesia venereal i know there's venereal disease and it's an std Right. So this was probably syphilis. Syphilis. Is probably okay. probably what he was by syphilis so without saying it. Yeah. Well, I mean tertiary syphilis, long standing chronic untreated syphilis can cause brain damage and certainly amnesia memory loss could be part of that, right? That would That's be, really what he's talking about. That would be bad too cuz it's like I don't remember how I got this, so I'm not going to change anything about my lifestyle. (laughs) And then every single time you get the amnesia again, then you get syphilis again. Well, no, but remember, it's like that episode of House where the older lady, they find out has syphilis and it's made her have the libido of youth. And so she keeps hitting on House and she doesn't want to get treated for syphilis because she wants to keep her sex drive. No, I don't remember that exact episode of House Sydney, but I'm going to take it <laughs> for granted that that's not your fan fiction that you've written. That that's a real episode of the TV show I, House. They made a lot of them, so <laughs> statistically speaking, that probably is an episode of House. I've never written fan fiction about Hugh Laurie, but I'm not saying I wouldn't. Fair. Uh, there was also uh, senile, which makes sense. Memory loss associated with age. Traumatic, like you hit your head. Um, plethoric, which. At that time, there was this belief that like you could have too much blood, right? Mm. Too much blood that would like fill up your blood vessels and fill up your yeah, brain and make you that hot. One. That one we can fix. <laughs> yeah, we, we can fix that one. We invented this condition because it's one we can fix. Uh, there was what he called pa- pathomatic, which was like uh, emotional, some sort of probably psychological is the word we would use today, but amnesia triggered by some sort of strong emotional response to an event, something like that. Um, there was cephalgic, which was following a headache. So you get a really bad headache and then you forget everything. I don't know. Okay. Uh, intoxication. You can figure that one out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then febrile, which would probably mean like a meningitis or an encephalitis or something like that. So this was a really good, like complete picture. I mean, he still is leaving some stuff out and there's some stuff to understand, but that's pretty good for the time period of all the different reasons why somebody might forget everything. Okay. Um, and this kind of breaking it down would lead to a lot more academic interest in general. Once he kind of published this and he, and he didn't just do amnesia, by the way, he did like all disease, 
laid out into like defined and named and classified and all that. Um, but this would this would really get people to study amnesia more and like broaden it to also strokes could cause forgetfulness. And also there was like this thought that hunger, if you got really hungry, you would forget things. <laughs> I don't, I don't find I forget things. I just you, get really angry. You forget to not be nice to me. That's true. <laughs> That's fair. You forget to be nice to me. Sorry. Um, or anybody or basically you just forget sort of basic humanity. You become like unto a monster. I guess mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. to put it generally. You I, can stop now. I don't know why I'm still talking. That's no. the problem. There was also uh, some interest in, is it permanent or temporary? There were, it seemed like that depending on the cause, amnesia could sometimes be reversed. So like febrile amnesia, which they probably, that means amnesia with a fever. So they're probably talking about some sort of infection seemed to go away. Okay. Because with, with the fever, right? Because mm-hmm. like I mean, later. think about, and there, you're probably seeing some uh, delirium in here that wasn't mm. like teased out yet. I mean, think about it with a really high fever, people can get confused and not seem to remember what's going on around them. And then it, after it goes away, they get better. Right. And then they notice that other kinds of amnesia seem to just persist. So it's less amnesia and more just like having trouble connecting yes. to the real world. Yes. Um, that's where we also get Korsakoff, who described a very particular amnesia that came with the long-term use of alcohol, which we know is Korsakoff syndrome, which... Oh, of course. You know, <laughs> well, that's a known entity today. It's very distinct to long-term, you know, regular use of alcohol. Uh, and uh, it was also begun to be observed that older memories tended to stay. And that's one of the things that I always think is interesting with um, cinematic depictions of amnesia is that people tend to forget, like, I mean, like I said, where they're from, who their parents were, right. all their the like name, their life. Yes. Their, yeah. All the all the stuff that would be the oldest, most deeply ingrained memories tend to vanish as well. And those actually tend to stay. Not always. I mean, there's different kinds of amnesia. We'll get into that. But generally speaking, you tend to remember the older stuff and it's the more recent memories that you forget. Uh, And you actually get them back in the reverse order if you do get your memory back that you lost them, which is kind of weird. That's what they tended to observe. The brain's weird. And again, this is all now our understanding is way more complex and it would depend on what kind of amnesia and why it happened and all that kind of thing. But um, the basic idea is that like the way that you would lose information. And if you think about older memories versus more recent one, this will kind of make sense. So recent events that just happened, you're going to lose first because they're the they just happened. Uh, Then you're going to lose some ideas concepts and ideas because those are not as ingrained as like sensory experiences, memories that you've had okay. ideas. Uh, then you can start to lose emotions mm. next. And then you start to lose the habits and the routines like that. The stuff that you what we kind of think about as like muscle memory mm-hmm. that would be further. So I guess you could make the argument that like you would forget how you got in the car crash that caused your memory, but you would not forget how to drive the car really fast. Okay. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and then finally the, the oldest memories, the stuff that are the, that is the most organized, the most fixed, um, your, that you have like sensory experiences associated with those fixed memories and that you've probably also have reinforced through repetition and through looking at photos 
Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, because we do that to our own memory. We we talk about that trip to Disney that we took. I'll call you know a decade ago. Um, I I know that we're only we we can only I saw this on that show Quiz. Remember we watched that mm-hmm. three part miniseries mm-hmm. Quiz starring Matthew McFadden of uh, Succession fame. Yes, uh, and they talked about how you can't you rem- every time you remember something you're remembering the last time you remembered it. Mm-hmm. So you remember it, it's a memory of a memory of a memory of a memory of a memory. So there's yes. a lot of de- degradation there. It's really interesting the way that the brain can mess stuff up like that. It does. It messes stuff up and it reinforces whatever, whatever that idea is, the more you recount that memory. Mm -hmm. Whereas something that happened, you know, 10 minutes ago, I haven't had enough time to continue to reinforce that memory. You know, that's why older memories tend to stay. Mm. Um, Again, this is all generally speaking. Um, And then there is the 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 distinction between anterograde and retrograde memory loss. Anterograde is like memento. Okay. Or what's the other movie? Blank Slate. Yes. Finding Dory. Okay. There's this trilogy. (laughs) Finding Dory. Blank Slate starring Dana Carvey. And 51st dates, 51st dates, memento. Yes. yes. So you can't make new memories. Can't make new memories. So stuff just keeps happening. Like you're like the present is constant. I'm there. Is that what's <laughs> going on? I'm there now. I'm living that dream. Um, it is actually we are not we are not suffering from collective amnesia, um, antigrade or otherwise, but it is actually harder to make new memories when the days become difficult to distinguish um, the passage of time starts to become that's why nebulous uh, that's why you have so many more memories or why uh, uh, things seem to go faster as you get older is because your brain uh, reacts to novelty it saves novelty so when something happens to you for the first time something new your brain's like oh this is cool I'm gonna remember this I'm gonna hold on to this but as you get older or as you get locked in your house for months on end uh, the lack of stimulus becomes such that like you aren't forming the memory. So the time seems to get even more messed up because without novelty, your brain isn't activating and, and saving those memories. Cause it's like, yeah, I've done this. I don't need to save. This is, this is, I don't need to remember any of this. I've seen this before. This is fine. <laughs> Just do your thing. Which again, a slight diversion. One thing that you can do to help combat that is if you can come up with anything new to do, <laughs> anything new to experience, that's really good for your brain right now. It, I mean, what are, what are Sydney and I doing? We're gardening, we're composting, mm-hmm. we're woodworking, yes. we're recycling. We're trying to become more, susti- more, was that sustainable? <laughs> I've started know. knitting again. Knitting. Just, Sydney's back on the knitting tip. Yeah. And anything, especially if it's like a new, if it's, this is the moment to like, I'm finally going to learn to play the piano or whatever, you know, something. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Anyway. Neuroplasticity, other, folks. <laughs> the other part about uh, amnesia that you've got to kind of understand to understand why it's happening and, and if you can fix it, how to fix it is what part of the memory process has been disrupted. Because it's a system. There's there's where you like take in the information to make the memory. The hypothalamus. Well, no, but <laughs> my point is, is it the making the memory or is it the retrieving the memory? Okay. Right? So to use kind of an um, um, inside out, is it... I don't remember. You remember the little guys that go get the memory? Yeah. So is it them that's broken or is it the little console that they use to save the memories up in the where or, all the emojis live? Or has stuff been dumped into. Remember when she forgets things and like the 
like the um boing like bong 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 bing bong 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 oh what's that guy saying the imaginary friend anyway the point is the point is when we talk about amnesia and this idea that like you can retrieve memories it's important to know if the memories are still there to retrieve like what part of the brain has been damaged richard kind thank you yes sorry it's important to know like because if, you, if you're talking, there's, the, I think, and we're going to get into this some, there's this idea with amnesia that it's all in there, right? You just have to like find it. And that assumption is that the retrieval is the problem. Mm. Accessing the memory is the problem, but a belief that the memory has to be there. That's not necessarily always true with different kinds of amnesia. Cause if you think about it, it really depends on what caused it and what's been damaged, but sometimes the memories are gone. And then the other thing is where the memories made to begin with, which again, I'm going to get into a little bit more in the back half of the show with like the idea of retrieving childhood memories. Mm-hmm. You don't make memories in the same way with a child. Like when you have your child brain, your early, early, early baby brain does not, uh, cannot make memories the same way that your grown up brain can. So is the memory, was it ever there? All of this is part of the process. And if you're going to fix it, you have to really know what went wrong, you know, which is why there's not a one. There's not one pill for amnesia that makes it go away. But before I get to that, let's talk a little bit more about the Max Fund Drive. Absolutely, Sydney. Maximumfund.org forward slash join. We are asking you, we come to you once a year and ask you to join our family. Um, and, and that is really what it is. Max Fund is an extended podcasting family, and we're asking you to uh, to become a member of it and and join with us, uh, whatever you can pledge is a huge help. Five dollars a month, you're going to get a, ma- a massive amount of bonus content, over two hundred hours of bonus episodes, including Fast and Furious and Justin and Sydney. I don't listen to it all back to back. Like, take some breaks, drink water in between. <laughs> That's right. It's very. It's two hundred hours. That's a long time. Oh, I thought you were talking about <laughs> Fast and Furious and Justin oh. and Sydney. It is, <laughs> it is very intense listening. <laughs> Uh, if you can do $10 a month, uh, you're going to get a pin, uh, a beautiful enamel pin designed by Megan Lincott. Uh, ours just said, said homeopathy means pretend, which I had forgotten uh, because we did it months ago, but it's still pretty but good. But it's a great pin, and you get to pick whatever pin you like. Yeah. I like our pin best, but you get the you bonus content. You also get a Max Fun membership card. Um, where where does this money go? Well, uh, a small percentage of it goes to Max Fund to help uh, run the network and keep things moving. We have ad sales teams that are working and uh, different people who are helping us make these shows. The majority of it goes to the shows you listen to. You choose the shows that you uh, enjoy when you sign up, and then you just uh, you just. The money, give money straight to them. Yeah, basically. you when you sign up, you just click whichever shows you listen to. So if you're listening, you know, to this show, mm-hmm. we could be one of them. Yes, that would uh, that would mean a lot. If you can give more than ten bucks, there are other gifts. Um, if you can pledge, let's see, at twenty bucks, you get a game pack, which is all the stuff from before, plus uh, some Max Fun dice in a dice bag and Max Fun. Uh, playing cards and hidden Max Fun symbolism all over it looks really cool. And uh, thirty-five bucks a month, there's a, a camp mug with a, the Max Fun Rocket logo on it. 
uh, and all the other stuff. Uh, but the real thing you're doing is you're you're making it possible for me to make us to make these shows. And like, we're we're so grateful. If you mm-hmm. are a member, if you if you're already uh, part of our family and donating, thank you, thank you so much. If you're considering doing it, thank you. Uh, if you can't right now, but you share our show and tell somebody about it and share a link and you know tell people that's great too. Thank you for helping us continue to do this. Yes, we very much appreciate you. Okay, so we're we're where were we? Now, the really interesting stuff, and I'm just going to get into it a little bit first, is how do you, uh, when you get into things like um, people forgetting because they, you know, something has happened and they've forgotten, or as we've seen in like, you see this used in movies and the question from a legal perspective has been, is the memory loss for secondary gain? And that's where you get into some really interesting, like concepts about amnesia if you think about like a murder trial Mm, have you did you really forget what happened or are you saying you forgot what happened Mm -hmm. that kind of thing um and in addition uh in the early studies of memory loss and amnesia we started to also study dissociative identity disorder along with that you know Mm -hmm. to try to understand how does that happen that you know you forget Right. so to speak, who you who were you and what you were doing and if, all that kind of stuff. If you're unfamiliar with that, you will have seen it so tastefully and accurately depicted in the movie Split. Um, <laughs> that, that is a perfect, it's perfectly no. scientific. As you, as you said, I remember you saying, mm. as we watched the film, you said, this is perfectly accurate and scientific. No. No. No, I never said that. That's a memory all. though, isn't it? <laughs> isn't that in inter- I don't know. I have that memory. You don't. No one can say. Uh, plus... If we began to understand if trauma could induce memory loss as like a protective mechanism, if you could have some sort of traumatic event and you lose all memory of it because mm-hmm. you, it's too it's too much for your brain to experience. Right. And that was the early understanding of it. We're doing this. Your brain's protecting you. I'm going to forget all this because it's too much for us to handle. Um, then some started to argue like, well, this is just phys- this is physiology. This is good. Our brain is doing what it should do. We should we should encourage that kind of amnesia, which is like uh, homecoming. Right. Right. Remember the podcast? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, what if we could take away all your memory of, of all the bad stuff that ever happened to you yeah. and then send you back out into the world? Not back out in the world. In that case, it was get you pumped to do a war again. Well, yeah, that was bad, but <laughs> not great. <laughs> but anyway, um, and then, and then others, you know, started to write about like true traumatic memory loss could leave you in a constant state of not knowing the present from the past. And you could just re-experience that trauma constantly because it was, it's like trapped in your mind's mm-hmm. present mm-hmm. because it has not been made into a memory. Anyway, all this became very interesting to the alienists, especially the French alienists. Do you know what an alienist is? Um, well, we did talk about it in the car yesterday. That's Should true. I, but- you can go ahead if you'd like. I don't remember, but that's memory, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> there's a show now, so I think it's more popular because there's a show called The Alienist, which is based on a book called The Alienist. So aliens have nothing to do with like extraterrestrials. Not that they would tell us. <laughs> alienist uh, used to be the name for a psychologist or a psychiatrist, and the it comes from the French alien for insane, uh, and it was basically alienists help people who have become alienated from reality or from themselves, from them true, from their true selves that they cannot access because of their mental illness, that kind of thing. 
Um, and early alienists really approached all this in a, in a biological way. Uh, psychiatric disease is a medical problem, just like all other medical problems. There are, there's anatomical and biological roots, and so those must be the treatments. The alienists of the 20th century took it into like depth, like uh, psychoanalysis, depth psychology, like the like Freud. Sit on the couch and let's get into your deepest, most repressed thoughts. It's interesting to see how I feel like we've come back the other direction again. Mm. You know, um, uh, and then and so then from there they started to get into ways to treat amnesia based on all this that they understood now. One of the first early treatments was from a French doctor and psychologist, Paul Soyer, who uh, practiced back in the late 1800s and early 1900s and said, basically, you could help with amnesia if you could find like a memory and the way you find it is through their sensory memories of it. Like mm-hmm. you could you could retrieve some of the memory based on like what did you smell, what did you hear, what did let's describe the surroundings and then fixate on it and then continue to reestablish it, continue to discuss it to like stabilize it. Um, that you could slowly re recount memories from the past. Mm. Uh, and he thought this was particularly good with like trauma like if something was traumatically induced you could recover memories that way but he found with things like dementia that didn't work quite as well yeah um so those were some of the the earliest ways to try to treat it now of course things have gotten better and i want to talk about that and some of the myths but before we do that no i don't know well, let's go to the billing department let's go Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. 
I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box pre-prepared? All I got at two minutes? I mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're going to talk about pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Okay, so before I get into uh, one of the most often cited treatments in, uh, I think, in TV and and popular culture, I want to talk about one specific problem, which is, as you mentioned, in a lot of um, depictions of amnesia, it happens because you got hit on the head and it resolves when you get hit on the head again, right? Yes, which even the (laughs) (laughs) when you brought that up, I was like. Oh, well, yeah. Um, what happens with amnesia is you get hit on the head and then you get hit on the head again. It makes the memory come back. And I was like, a- as I said it to you, I was like, wait a minute. That can't be right. That can't be the way it works. So I'm assuming that is um, inaccurate. Now, as I mentioned, there was a uh, there was a time when as we the, the study of the brain was like neurology, psychology. It was all it was all kind of combined for a long time. Like all of it was acting together, which, again, I'm not saying as a criticism, like the more combined, you know, all these things are, the better understanding we have of them. But when we first saw the anatomy of the human brain, that it has two hemispheres, one of the theories that began to develop around it is that they almost did the same things Uh, just like a backup system, sort of Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it just in case, I guess one half goes bad. You got a backup half, which I mean, again, isn't a wild idea when you consider that, like your kidneys kind of work that way. If you only have one, you can still be fine. You've got like a backup. (laughs) Right. Um, So because of this idea, the thought was that if they get out of like, if they become unsynchronized. Okay then you'll have problems. Then then you get like malfunctions. So our main thing with the brain is keeping the two hemispheres in sync. And there was, uh, at the turn of the 19th century, there was a French scientist, Francois Bichat, who said that, you know, he believed in this, that the two hemispheres just mirror each other. Um, and so if there's an injury on one side, like if you hit your head on the left, Mm-hmm. And that side of the brain gets like knocked out of sync. Mm-hmm. Then it only makes sense that the way to fix it is to hit your head again on that, that side make sense. to that knock it back sense. in sync. No, no, Francois. No, that doesn't make sense. Think about what you're saying. Uh, so that way, then they're back in balance. You just, you you just got to balance out the two hemispheres. Can you go, imagine going to this guy and you're like, Anyways, so, hey, so sorry I'm late. I missed my appointment because, well, amnesia. And I'm hoping you can um, fix this for me. What's your solution? And this guy's like, well, well, well. What we shall do is uh, the bonk on the head. 
Like what? Sorry? Yes, the bonk, like the last bonk on the head. The bonk on the head. Imagine. (laughs) Well, here's what's wild. This is where like certainty, self-assuredness goes so far in this world. I'm imagining he he was a white dude. (laughs) It's like only only option, right? Has to be. So he he said uh, he wrote about it, but he never wrote like. It wasn't like a list of, let me give you all the evidence. Here are all the times where this worked, or here's the studies I did. He just said, this is this happened so much that we know it's true. Seems like the bongos he had. No, I mean, he stated it as a fact, like as if everybody would be like, well, of course, yeah, that happened to me. The second bonk, Everybody knows that. But he, and he (laughs) didn't have TV, which is wild, right? Like, he didn't have, like, in season four, uh, episode 13 of the Brady Bunch, uh, you can see that Jan gets hit with the football and it makes her, like, he, what is he basing this on? He just said, obviously, 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 obviously. And uh, so despite the fact that he uh, tragically died of a head injury in 1802, stop it. uh, His his workout lived him because the idea that brain asymmetry is the main problem in a in a range of you know, psychological, neurological disorders that persisted for a long time, Bashaw's law of symmetry. Um, and this idea that the second bonk would fix amnesia also persisted. Um, and it, it really wasn't until, I mean, like a hundred years later that people began to say, you know, I actually think that getting hit on the head again will just cause more damage. (laughs) That head injury can cause brain damage and another head injury could cause more brain damage and we should probably not do that. Uh, But even today you see it depicted, Mm -hmm. which is, I mean, we know that, right? Like, please don't, if someone has lost their memory, please do not hit them on the head. Yeah. Actually, even if they haven't lost their memory, don't hit people on the head. Yeah. But generally speaking, head trauma does not restore memory despite you know, all of cartoons, which is why that's like a weird, it's like, um, it's almost like the genetics of culture, right? It's like a cultural osmosis where it's just like for generations, like that's not coming from science. It's just generations of media, freaking like comic strips and, and mm-hmm. novels and stuff popularizing this idea. And then that, that concept just gets passed down and down and down until everybody's like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The second book, obviously. Which underlines, by the way, a theme on our show, which is just because something persists for thousands of years does not mean it's true. No. <laughs> this did not persist for thousands, but still, you get called, the idea. Appeal to ancient wisdom. It's a logical fallacy. Now, We've tried to puncture it as much as possible with our podcast. The other, the other big thing I wanted to talk about before we finish is in a lot of uh, popular culture, you'll see hypnosis used as the way to retrieve memories. Yes. Have, have you seen that? Usually on like a crime series. Yes. They'll take them deep. Yes. Um, they'll recall. The idea that you could fix amnesia with hypnosis is a, is a pretty old one. Um, Freud would use hypnosis to try to retrieve old memories. So the idea that if somebody has lost their memory, you could, you know, fix it with hypnosis. It dates back quite a while. Um, now, again, this this rests on the idea that the memories are there, 
that you made them fine and they're still stored fine. But and they've been organized fine and, you know, repeated fine and all that. But the retrieval is the problem Mm -hmm. Then you have. And that has to be the truth if hypnosis is going to work, which in my head, I thought like it's sort of like saying you're trying to land at an airport with no landing strip by buying bigger, better planes every time. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, as long as that's the problem, then in theory, hypnosis could work. In theory, uh, obviously, it would have to al- also be proven to work. Um, and these are usually used for some sort of uh, emotional trauma, not not physical trauma like head trauma, but emotional trauma. Um, you'll see hypnosis used to like you've repressed a memory because it was too upsetting. And mm-hmm. so we're going to use hypnosis to find it or to like tell you something about your childhood that you don't remember very well or to help you remember details of like a crime scene. Yeah. Um, or a past life, perhaps. Or a past life, I guess. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there. Yeah, That's but way if, outside my expertise. Yeah, but if someone says, I can help you remember that you were homies with uh, Bonaparte, uh, and then you're like, well, um, maybe, uh, what, uh, 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 um, you know, and then later they're like, I can help you remember a crime scene. Maybe we don't. Uh, believe the uh, the second part so much because we do still remember the part where you said that I knew Napoleon in right. his life. Right, exactly. exactly. Well, and all of these things, people who, I don't want to paint too broad a brush, you can be, you can, there are hypnotherapists and they can specialize in just one area. And I'm certain there are hypnotherapists who would say, well, age regression doesn't work. Forensic hypnosis doesn't work. I don't do past lives, but I do this for weight loss. That is out there. There, there are hypnotherapists that specialize in lots of different areas. Let's do an episode about hypnosis at some point. <laughs> we so need we to talk about this. Hypnosis is a is a wide ranging thing. I just want to, and it's so big. I just want to focus on the memory retrieval aspect of it. Um, and in addition, what I just mentioned, forensic hypnosis is a big area of interest. The idea that you could use it to solve a crime. So, does any of this work? hypnosis for any of these memory reasons amnesia reasons well first of all hypnotic age regression which is like i can't remember something that happened to me as a child so i am and this is usually done in like a therapy realm Mm. i'm going to hypnotize you to take you back to when you were six or whatever make you six again i'm going to like you are going to be six years old sitting here today and then you will be able to recount relive re-experience remember yeah whatever happened right yes okay so what we have found with that is that even though people will subjectively say like they will s- describe feeling like a child afterwards they mm-hmm. felt like a child they acted like a child they have we have seen this on yes. like in these interviews you cannot change the brain back to the stage of development of cognitive development to make you think like a child. Right. We cannot do that. We have no objective proof that we're actually doing that with hypnosis to make, And that that's what you would have to do to make you. This is the problem with hypnosis. Oh, no, I don't want to keep talking about hypnosis because I do want to do an episode on it. But like what I think does work about it in my limited understanding is making you very open to suggestion. They, it does make you very open to suggestion. So the, if I were to suggest that you were six now, I think that is well within the bounds of the power of hypnosis. Yes. 
<laughs> well, I think that what they've said is like if if you accept the idea that like putting someone in sort of the it's like taking somebody to the right room of the house to help them remember how they f- felt about something like mm-hmm. recreating the circumstances. Could it help you remember something? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Sm- like smells do that. We know a smell can trigger a memory. So like it, putting somebody in the mindset of acting like a child, could it? Yes. But we have no proof that you're actually remembering things you didn't remember before. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that you're actually. And again, part of this goes back to like, if you're trying to take somebody back to like the the really wild stuff where like you're reborn. If you're trying to take somebody back to a memory that happened when they were like one or two, mm-hmm. well, you don't store memories. Do you remember anything from when you were one? No. It's not because you can't, it's not because your memory won't go back that far. It's because when you were one, you weren't making memories the way your brain does now at 39. It just, mm-hmm. your brain doesn't do that. Right. I was busy. My brain was busy learning how to like walk. walk. Yes. Your brain wasn't recording information the same way. So it's just not possible. The, the other thing is the idea of like hypnotic hyperamnesia as opposed to amnesia, hyperamnesia. Like remembering like super good. memory. Okay. Right. Like, like extra Mary, memory. Like Mary Lou Henner. Like yes. friend of the family, Mary Lou Henner. Can you induce that with hypnosis? Which I think of more like when uh, you see on TV, like the memory palace. Sure. Yes. Uh, That it's like that idea. Like maybe we could make you have a super memory if we hypnotize you. That happens on uh, the show we were just watching, Dispatches from Elsewhere. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. If you hypnotize somebody, you could make them like go back into a memory and see things that they didn't see before. And what we have found in studies of that is that, no, you are no more accurate after hypnosis than you were before. You are just more certain of whatever you're saying. Mm, okay. <laughs> so we, we turn you into a surgeon. I'm sorry, surgeon. Ah, I'm sorry. <laughs> just a little joke. Something everybody, a joke everybody can enjoy. Just a little joke for sure. my surgeon pals. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, and then And then, of course, there's forensic hypnosis, which is how do we get a witness to a crime to help us solve the crime by hypnotizing them and so we get more details from their witness statement so that they remember the incident more clearly whether it be the a description of the uh, you know attacker or a license plate number sure. or whatever right and this has been used i mean it may still be used to this day <laughs> in tv and movies or in life like in life like okay. there were i mean this I have found early 2000s cases where this has been used. I believe this may still be yes, tried. Yeah. I, I couldn't. It was hard to discover if like there are still forensic investigators who are doing hypnosis because it's like a specific branch of hypnotherapy to do this. Um, and there isn't a lot of data for this either. There are like anecdotes. I found this um specific kidnapping case Couchilla from the 70s where like a bus driver uh, with a bunch of kids were they were all kidnapped and kept somewhere underground and the bus driver like dug dug their way out to get them out but anyway supposedly the bus driver was hypnotized to remember part of the license plate and like remembered such a big chunk of it that he couldn't remember before but then once he was hypnotized he remembered a big chunk so like there are these anecdotes right Right. but then there are other anecdotes I found where like in Boston there was this uh, Brinks armored car robbery Mm -hmm. and they hypnotized the witness for the license plate number of the the getaway car and he recounted 
a license plate number perfectly under hypnosis. And it turned out to be the license plate of the president of Harvard's car, not because the president of Harvard robbed the armored car, but because the witness worked at Harvard and just saw that license plate a lot. Hmm. So all of this. Or or there's a far more compelling (laughs) possibility, Sydney. The person you least suspect. The president of Harvard. The president of Harvard is the Pink Panther. No, none of that. No. But the the thing is, uh, and there have been other studies where like they've had like simulated crimes. In I front know the of... Pink Panther is the diamond. Get off Twitter. Close the app. <laughs> anyway, there, there are these wild studies in which like they have simulated crimes in front of witnesses. Like they like they don't tell them that they're about to be part of a study and then they like do a fake crime do in front a science of them. All about yeah. Them. I mean like you'll, you'll read these older studies that probably wouldn't be approved today where, and then they'll like interview people and then interview them under hypnosis. And then they're, they've done this with real crimes, like ride alongs to try to like actually see, can we get, and it, it just, it there's no evidence that it ever works. It really, it improves your certainty about memories, <laughs> but it does, but it's really easy to suggest things, to implant things. Um, with this process, it, it's it's very difficult to tease out because our brain wants to fill in gaps. And mm. so hypnosis encourages us to fill in those gaps by thinking like, well, this helped me. So whatever I think makes sense there probably is the memory and not just what my brain is confabulating to fill in that gap. Mm. So I wondered if it is still admissible in court was my big question. Uh, and from what I found, and I am not a lawyer, um, but I did, I did reach out to my uncle, Michael, Michael Meadows of court appointed. They do a, a legal history podcast, similar to what we do him and my dad. Uh, I reached out to him and I, I've talked to him about it. And from what I can tell, if, if it meets something called the Daubert standard, which has to do with like, um, an expert witness testimony fulfilling like basically this is basic except basically accepted as like this is what an expert would say or like yes this is real kind Mm -hmm. of thing like how you judge whether expert testimony can be you know admissible in court or not if it meets that then it can be and from what i found there are times where like hypnosis has been found very clearly not to because it is not widely accepted by the scientific community. Mm-hmm. But then I found that other times where it was ad- like admissible in different trials. Um, so it was hard for me to tell. I think it varies. I think mm-hmm. it varies state by state. And I think it varies um, probably judge by judge. Hmm. So I, I really think it might be up to the specific trial in some cases. Um, wow. But it, but I, it's weird for me because it doesn't, it seems like we have no evidence that it actually does help with memory retrieval in any way. Um, just anecdote. Hmm. Um, the only thing that I will say is that there've been some therapists who have spoken out in favor of hypnosis specifically for dissociative memory loss. So if it is associated with dissociative identity disorder, hypnosis as part of therapy, as part of like a whole therapeutic range of, you know, treatments, not, not in isolation, but has been used with some like easing of anxiety around the memory retrieval around the process of like re-remembering those things you've forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, they have found sometimes hypnosis can help with that anxiety that can be associated with that. Cause I imagine that can be very anxiety provoking to start remembering this whole identity that you had forgotten. Yeah. But the idea that it's this dramatic 
we hypnotize you and then you wake up and go, I'm Sydney. Like that's not, that's not real. That doesn't, that doesn't work. Um, and, uh, the only other thing about amnesia and hypnosis, you know how after hypnosis you're supposed to have amnesia? Like they induce amnesia, right? Right, right, right. They don't want you to remember anything that just happened. Yeah. I tried to read why. Why do you want people to forget it all? Uh, I don't know. The answer I basically got was that it was stressful and we don't want you to think about it too much. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads me as a scientist to say, is that because it didn't work and we don't want you to think about it too much because Be then honest. you'd figure it out? Um Anyway, how do we treat amnesia? Well, it depends on the cause. With things like Korsakoff amnesia, we found specifically like thiamine can help, but not for a lot of other things. There isn't one pill. Um, you'll find like memory loss associated with dementia. You'll hear a lot about medicines on TV that, that can help. But what they're talking about is slowing the rate of like the progression of dementia mm. uh, is slowing down how fast that progresses. They don't turn back time. Mm. They can't go back and fix what has already happened. And I think that's really important to understand about those meds. Um, there are a lot of things like working with an occupational therapist, learning strategies to help um, keep memories and improve like the repetition and retrieval of what is still there and uh, digital aids to organize information as you're learning new things to help you keep and make new memories um, in a more organized fashion. There, there are all kinds of ways that occupational therapists can really help with that. Um, and then preventing memory loss like the easiest thing are managing uh, chronic illnesses like diabetes or um, heart disease or cerebrovascular disease that could lead to strokes, that kind of thing. Um, cardiovascular exercise is good for your brain. Mm. That's I know that sounds weird. Do your crossword puzzles. That's great. But also do something that gets your blood pumping, that gets your heart pumping. Well, Sydney, there's nothing that gets my blood <laughs> pumping and heart racing like a good crossword puzzle. <laughs> when, I, when I get an eight, eight letter word with no uh, clues to be seen I I feel like I just like you ever seen the movie Crank no um, it, it's starring Jason Statham it, it, is it about crossword puzzles no but it's like that's it's like adrenaline it's like, like a, what I feel you okay know what I mean? if his heart slows slows down he dies. Oh, so he has the game. It's like speed, but for the human heart. But for the heart. Yeah, we this should does actually. Not sound this like, is an episode. Oh, now no. that's an episode right there. Crank. I don't want to see this. Film. Oh, there's a crank too. Don't worry. Uh, exercise, healthy diet, and I w would recommend that you try to avoid head trauma whenever possible. <laughs> you might also say, "Don't drill a hole in your head." Um, well, that too. Thank you so much for listening to our episode. We want to ask one more time. Uh, it's Max Fun Drive time. If you could uh, donate, we would really, really appreciate it. To people who have already like gotten on board, thank you so, so, so much. Maximumfun.org forward slash join is the place to uh, is the place to do it. If if you haven't been able to become a member. Now's the time for five bucks a month. If you can do five bucks a month, it's hugely supportive of us, but it also gets you a ton of bonus content, which is awesome. Yes. So please, if, if you're in a position to do so, we thank you so much. If you already are a member, if you're already donating, we really appreciate it. Uh, we, this brings us joy and we hope we can bring you joy. Uh, yeah. Did you have something you wanted to say? Uh, I wanted to say that uh, if you're more interested in forensic hypnosis, uh, Court Appointed is going to do an episode to yeah. delve into more of the legal side of it since I didn't understand all that. When can you use it in court? When is it okay? So. Either this week or next. Court appointed wherever yeah. fine podcasts are sold. Yeah, with my dad and my uncle. 
Thank you to the taxpayers for the use of their song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. And thanks to you so much for listening and supporting us. Uh, we, we very much appreciate it. But until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. Fund.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. Fund.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.